How many of you are willing to do whatever it takes to reach the lost? Amen? That's what we preached about last week, and I got three people who heard the message last week. Praise God. At least three of you that raised your hand. Like Paul said, I'll do, I'll become all things to all men. Remember that? If you didn't get that sermon, you can get that thing. It's out there on Facebook. It's, it's on our website. And, and you can listen to any sermon that we do here uh, on Sunday mornings at any time, as long as we've done our homework and we've captured it. Is this, is this one rolling? How oh, praise the Lord. There you go. See? Uh, so we talked about this a little bit last week, and, and this is kind of going to be the theme that I want to preach about as long as the Holy Spirit continues to allow me to, probably until we're moved over to our next building. So for the next two to three weeks, we're going to be spending time talking about whatever it takes. Now, it's not just winning the loss. I'm talking about multifaceted, whatever it takes. Amen? I'm talking about, about, about doing whatever it takes to, 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 to grab the horns of the altar. Amen? Or if you will... Like the, like, the, like the woman who pushed her way through the crowd and touched the hem of Jesus' garment. That's not even in my sermon. That one's free. I'm not even going to charge you for that one, Johnny. But she pushed through. She did whatever it took to touch the hem of the Savior. Can I tell you, just right out the gate, I haven't even got to my sermon yet, I feel like there's some in this room right now that are pressing through some hard times looking for the Savior's hem, just to touch him. So we're talking about whatever it takes. And you remember the phrase, well, I think I mentioned it last week, WWJD. We all, we all remember, man, there was bracelets and T-shirts and hats and bumper stickers. And, and, and there was everything, WWJD. As a matter of fact, I had a bracelet. I like that bracelet, WWJD. Look at that. It could remind me. It would remind me, what would Jesus do in this situation? And I remember I was in a, a fast food restaurant one time, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a, a young lady asked me, what does that mean? What does that mean? And so I thought... This is a great opportunity for me to, to, to witness to her, right, to, to, to try to share the gospel with her. That's why I like bumper stickers and shirts. It's a, it's a conversation starter. You know, one, one time I was at work, and, and I'd been at this new job. It was right after I pastored a church, and I didn't run around. It was a home builder, and I worked in the main office. A very secular industry, if anybody's ever been in, in home building, even inside the corporate office. Very, very secular. And I, I never ran around telling people, oh, I'm a pastor. I just didn't do that. I just worked hard. I had a great work ethic, and, and I just did these things, right? I, I just tried to serve the Lord in my job while I was there. And one day, one day, I had a bumper sticker on my car, a window sticker, uh, 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 and it said, um, no, no, I didn't even have the sticker. She just asked me this because she found out somehow I was a Christian. She said, we're passing in the stairway. She said, what does not of this world mean? And I thought, what a great opportunity, you know, to witness. And I got to. And then all of a sudden, I became like the pastor of this home building industry. I married a couple people. People were looking for me for counseling at lunches. And so I didn't even get a free lunch after that, you know what I'm saying, as far as, as time to myself. I got a couple free lunches because people said, let's go to lunch and talk. I'd be like, yeah, cool. So but this one time, I was wearing a WWJD bracelet on my wrist, and I was in this little, uh, I don't remember, it was a fast food restaurant. And she said, what does that mean? I thought, man, this is a great opportunity. What do you think it means? And she said, she thought about it for a minute. Why would Jesus die? And it just gave me a whole new perspective. Of course, it opened the door for me, and, and I walked out of there without a bracelet, and she now owns it somewhere in Bakersfield, California. Why would Jesus die? And I thought about that, and I thought, what an amazing way to translate the acronym that we so abused and got so used to it. It became so cliche that it didn't really even matter anymore that you were wearing it because everybody was, what would Jesus do? And I don't think anyone 
about it anymore. So as we continue in this series, whatever it takes, W-I-T, right? I'm going to make some shirts, W-I-T, whatever it takes. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do that. I've been thinking about that a little bit. We can definitely agree this with this. I, I think everybody in the room, whether you're, you're saved or not, if you know anything at all about Jesus, we would, we, would, we would probably all be able to agree that Jesus had an attitude of whatever it took. That Jesus was willing, come on somebody, the only man I knew who hung himself on a tree, allowed himself to be beat, the only man I know who is the savior of the world. And his, his calling for you and me, that's the same. Matter of fact, John 15, 13 says that greater love has no one than this than to lay one's down, down one's life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus did. Not only did he lay his life down for his friends, he laid his life down for his enemies. Who? For you and me. I wasn't an enemy of God. Yes, you were. When you were sinning, the Bible says that you were an enemy of God. And even while you were an enemy of his, even while you wanted to give him no time of day, he died for you. So if we want to be all things to all men like we talked about last time, and if we want to experience the power of God in our lives, then, then we need to do some things. We need to prepare ourselves. We need to hang on to some promises, and we need to persevere. We need to press through no matter what. It requires a whatever-it-takes attitude. To live for Christ. You can't come into this thing and continue down the thought path that you had when before you were saved. You can't come into this thing and say, oh, you know what? I got this thing all figured out. I'm going to do it my way. And I did it my way. And it didn't work for you then. And it's not going to work for you now. So I want to help you today with what that looks like. And there's this great story in 2 Kings, okay? So everybody turn their Bible to 2 Kings chapter 4. We're going to get to that in a minute. But I want to use a story from the life of Elijah, actually, to help you with what this looks like. Did you know that Elijah is a type of Christ? Let me go theology a little bit on you, okay? Anytime we talk about a type of Christ, that there's a, a person or a situation in the Bible that is a type of that person. So Elijah was like a Christ. He was a representation of Jesus Christ. His character, his mannerisms were a lot of like what Jesus was when he came to earth in the New Testament. Amen? So Elijah is a type of Christ. So anytime you, you read about the, the life of Elijah, you're actually reading about the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Amen? Elijah was a man. He wasn't a myth to represent Jesus. He actually was a man. And he actually did a lot of great things, as you probably have heard if you've been around the church very long. As a matter of fact, he was so much like Jesus that people even mistook him for Jesus. You remember this? Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And when, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, that his disciples asked, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others, Jeremiah or one of the, because he, because Elijah was so much like Jesus, or maybe we should say Jesus was so much like Elijah since Elijah lived before Jesus, that some people mistook Jesus. So, so I just want to give you the context. That's not really the, the emphasis of today's sermon, but I want you to understand where I'm coming from as I bring this to you and how, how we're going to develop a whatever-it-takes attitude. Amen? So the first thing is this. 
There's a preparation. Okay? There is a preparation that has to happen. You don't just give your life to Jesus and all of a sudden have an attitude of whatever it takes. I'll do whatever it takes. It didn't happen that way for me. There was some preparation. There were some things that happened in my life. I guess the, the subtitle of this point is, is Jesus welcome in your home? That's the feeling for your line there. If you have a bulletin, there it is right there. The preparation is Jesus welcome in your home. So we're going to start off in 2 Kings chapter 4 here. I'm going to break off a big chunk of scripture and read you pieces at a time to kind of tell a story to you. Verse 8. Now it happened one day that Elijah went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. I like that woman already. (laughs) So it was, as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. See, there's two parts of this particular passage of Scripture that, that, that I want to hit on for just a minute. The first part is the importance of hospitality. I'm telling you, part of preparing yourself is being hospitable. We need to be hospitable to one There's some of you who have never had another believer in your home. And there's multiple reasons. Some of you don't allow believers in your home because of the idols that you keep in your home. Okay, if I just be real. Whether it be drugs or alcohol or maybe even ashtrays. And we know you smoke. We're not mad at you. We still love you. You'll get delivered. Promise. If you want to be, amen. I did. I got delivered. Hallelujah. I smoked as a Christian for a long time. And God said, you're done with that. I'm taking that from you. If anybody here needs to hear that, I'll be happy to pray for you. Amen? Because what he did for me, he'll do for anybody in the room. For others of you, it's because you don't know how to be hospitable or you're ashamed of your home. I'll tell you what. Don't be ashamed of anything where you're at in your walk with the Lord. As a matter of fact, if you want to test this theory out, Pastor Kerry and I are available to be invited to your house. For a meal. But look at this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I'm telling you that there's something supernatural about being hospitable. And, and, And I'll caution you in today's world. You might not want to invite every stranger into your home, okay? You're welcome. Be, be discerning in that. Don't just go down to the next street corner and pick up any homeless guy or girl and bring her to your house. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm not saying there aren't some homeless people that might deserve a seat at your table once. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. But there's something supernatural about being hospitable. The second thing I want to talk to you about, and this is the most obvious one, is making Jesus room in your heart. Making Jesus room in your life. This this woman was so drawn to the man of God, to the 
holy man of God that she convinced her husband to put up a pallet and a chair and a table and a lampstand so that any time this guy comes by, I'm going to feed him and he can rest there if he needs to. She was so concerned about, about the anointing of God. The whole, see, listen, Jesus Christ wasn't walking yet. What you needed in those days was you needed a prophet or a priest. And Elijah was a prophet. What this woman was doing is saying, Jesus, give me a little liberty here. You are welcome in my home anytime. And what we need to do to have a whatever-it-takes attitude is say, Jesus, you are welcome in my life any time you desire. And I'll tell you this. When you said yes to him, you gave him that permission then. He takes permission like that serious. Now, he's a gentleman. He's not going to push his way through your door. But you already opened the door for him. Is this okay? You guys, you guys track it with me? So I wonder if any of you have a, a place designated in your home for the Lord, a secret place, a place where you get away, a place when all H-E double hockey sticks is breaking loose that you can run away to. My daughter, last night, I've been gone for three days, just barely walked in the door. I've got to get upstairs. I've got to shut in. I've got to pour over my sermon and, and pray. And I've got to spend time with my daughter, too, so I'm, I'm going to go upstairs and I'm going to pray. And, and she knows. She knows. Here's her question. Do, do you want to hug me now or can I knock on the door? And that wasn't like a, uh, I'm afraid to knock on the door, but she just knows that daddy's time with the Lord is daddy's time with the Lord, and she doesn't want to interfere with that because daddy's much nicer when he spends time with the Lord. Amen? <laughs> and I said, baby, you can knock on the door anytime you're ready to go to bed. This is different. I've been gone for three days. I just need to get in to my prayer closet. You see what I'm saying? You have to have a place that even your kids know when mommy or daddy's in there, I try to leave them alone bar an emergency, you know? You need a place like that. Here's the second thing, the promise. What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do, to do for you? Look at verses 11 through 17. And it happened on the day he came there, and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. And then he said to, to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. Now let me just show you real quick here. I love this. I had to look it up today. Shunammite means peaceable, perfect, and someone that recompenses. I love that about this woman. She is peaceable. Call the Shunammite woman, and when he called her, she stood before him, and he said, and said to him, say now to her, look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? And she answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, she's saying, I don't need anything from you. I just need you in my life. I just need, this space is yours, and, and you can come and go as, as you please. I don't need anything else from you. I just enjoy having a holy man of God stay in my life. So he said, verse 14, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son, and her husband is old. <laughs> So he said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace the son. And she said, no, my Lord. Man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son. When she, and, and when she, 
son, when the appointed time had come, which Elijah had told him. Listen, Elijah asked her what I like to call the Jesus question. What can I do for you? Do you realize that Jesus is always asking you, what can I do for you? How, how can I help you? How can I bless you? Matter of fact, he said, that, he said to the blind man, remember in Luke 18, verse 41, what do you want me to do for you? Well, what can I do for you? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus is always asking the question, listen, I don't know what you're going through today, but I'll tell you this. Jesus is asking, how can I help you? How can I help you through what you're walking through? I'm right here. I am the promise. What can I do for you? And I'll tell you, the Bible is chock full of promises that are available to you and me. Every single one of us and every single promise in his word is yes and amen. What are you desiring from the Lord? This woman asked for nothing but to have a, to have a place where he would reside in her life. And, and God answered the secret desire of her heart. She wasn't blasting it. I want a child. It was between her and God. I love Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Look, God is good, and he loves to give good gifts to his kids. He does. He loves to give good gifts to his kids. He wants to spoil you. If you'll be a good steward of the spoilings. Do you know the promises of God? Let me just give you one chapter, Psalm 103, okay? Just the the, the first five verses talks about forgiving sins, healing sick, redeeming your life from destruction, satisfying your soul, and renewing your youth. I know I need that one. But read the rest of the 22 verses. They're full of promises, amen? There's over 3,500 promises in the Word of God. That's 10, practically 10 for every day of the year. Maybe we should do a study and find out what all those are. I'd like to claim a few of those. Here's the problem, number three. It's going to get a little difficult. It's going to get a little bit real. What do you do when the promise dies? What do you do when the promise dies? Look at verses 18 through 21 second king's text here and the child grew now it happened one day that he went out to his father to the reapers and he said to his father my head my head so he said to his servant carry him to his mother when he had taken him and brought him to his mother he sat on her knees till noon and then died and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of god shut the door upon him and went out can i tell you Even when we serve God faithfully, dreams and promises sometimes die. You know, the first ministry Pastor Kerry and I were given was 10 miles from the beach. With a paid-for church and a paid-for house that we got to live in. It was sweet. Ventura Beach. Even... uh, 
The average temperature was, for, it never got below 65, rarely got below 65 or over 85. That was it, baby. That was the pinnacle of life, according to the flesh. And when God began to take that dream, it hurt. When God began to say, it's time to move, I don't want to, God. I like it here. I'm comfortable. The temperatures. Matter of fact, even when it got foggy on the coast like it does frequently, I could walk out my front door, look to the right towards the beach, and I could see where the wall was. We had the sun most of the days. But there's the wall of fog. I could just drive down the road about two miles and I'd hit it. So in our city, matter of fact, in Santa Paula's where we pastored, they say it's the most fruitful capital of the world. Fruit come out of there like this big. Fruit trees and avocados and, yeah. It was the land of juicy fruit. <laughs> Look at Mark chapter 4. On, on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. Listen, the disciples were being obedient to the word of God. And listen, trouble showed up in their life. Pastor Kerry and I were serving the Lord in Santa Paula, California. And I'll tell you what, it started to get hard. It seemed like the dream was dying. It felt like the promise was diminishing. And I'll tell you now looking back 20 years later what God was doing. He was trying to get me from the beach to the desert because the desert's where his plan for my life is. My plan for my life is the beach, baby. I got the beach body and everything, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. Maybe not. Grew up listening to the Beach Boys, though, huh, Mom? Yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> She's real fine, my floor. I will see that. But it goes on in this story in chapter in Mark. It says that a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat onto the boat, and it was already feeling, and he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? Listen, sometimes when the promises die, it seems like, it feels like, or we think that Jesus doesn't care anymore. And I know I'm speaking to somebody in this room. I already feel you tugging on my heart right now. I'll tell you what, the dream's not dying. It's getting ready to be birthed. Somebody needs to write that down and take that home and meditate on that for a minute. Of course, we know the story that, that he, Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and said to it, peace be still. And the wind ceased and the, the sea was calm. So far, what have we talked about? Nobody's writing any notes? The preparation, the promise, the problem. Perseverance. So here's the question. This is where it boils down to this sermon today. Are you willing to do whatever it takes? Are you willing? I love what this woman did in our story in 2 Kings. Look at verse 22. Her son's dead. Okay, let's back up. Let me, let me help you again for a second. Her son's dead. She put him on the bed of the, of the holy man of God. She shut the door, and then she called to her husband, verse 22, and said, Please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I might run to the man of God and come back. So he said, Why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, It is well. 
that she sat on a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. Can you see the faith of this woman? When I read the story, I see the, a great faith in this woman that I think is lacking today in the church. Even though her son was dead, here's what she said. It's well. It's well. Listen, I'll tell you what's going on in the story even before we get there. She's determined. I am going to get in the man of God's presence. It's okay, honey. Everything's okay, baby. The baby's upstairs sleeping. It's going to be okay. I just got to get to the man of God. What about her passion? The Bible didn't say she was going to walk or, or let's just wait. Let's do some chest compressions on him and see what happens. It says that she runs. She was driven by a force to get to the man of God. She told the guys, just keep going. Don't slack in the place. Don't slow down until we get there. Listen, some of you have put the brakes on in your life. Because a, a promise you seem, it seems like a promise has died in your life. And I'm telling you, God says, turn the engine back on, Brandy. Because a miracle is about to transpire in your life. We get to this place and we stop. And it's. It's just before the miracle happens. The preparation is so important. But many Christians, I've been doing this long enough to see it time and time again. Many Christians, they stop here. They're not willing to persevere is probably the word I should say. That's because what we're talking about. They're not willing to persevere through the hard thing. I quit. I give up. God has forsaken me. He's not listening to my prayers. He doesn't love me anymore. I, I've defied him. I've blasphemed him. You have not blasphemed him or you wouldn't even be able to say his name. Just cut that ghost out of the, that elephant's out of the room. Ain't nobody in this room blaspheming the Holy Spirit because you wouldn't be able to be in this room. Look at verse 25. Is this Okay. So she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. <laughs> I love Mount Carmel. We won't go there. <laughs> so it was when the man of God saw her far off, he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, the peaceable woman is coming this way. Please run now to meet her and say to her, It is well. Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered again, it is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and not told me. So she said, did I ask for a son, my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? I'll tell you, when she came to Elijah... She was broken. She was, she was desperate. And I'm, I've got to tell you something, man. Woman, young person, you've got to get desperate for the things of God. You've got to get desperate for the things of God. You've got to persevere. 
man, when that roadblock hits, man, punch through that thing. Keep going. Don't quit before the miracle happens. I'm telling you, there's a miracle about ready to happen in your life. Jesus has arms wide open, ready to, to bring you in and to hear about your problems. He has not turned his face from you. He has not said, I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm tired of your complaining. He does, I say that, but he doesn't say that. I'm just being honest. Sometimes I'm too honest, I know. It's just like, it's just like when the woman tried to bring the, the children to Jesus, remember? The disciples were trying to shoo them away. Get away from him. And, and Jesus said, suffer them not. Let them come. Bring them in. Let's go on here. Verse 29. And he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready and take your staff in your hand and be on your way. If you meet anyone, don't greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him. Ignore him. But lay your staff on the face of the child. The mother of the child, and, the, as, and as the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. In other words, I'm not going with Gehazi, man. You're going with me. You're coming with me. Gehazi can take off and go ahead of us, but me and you, we're joined at the hip. And some of us need to get joined at the hip with Jesus, amen? And I'm not going to run ahead with anybody else. I'm going to stay here with the man of God. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi, verse 31, went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Therefore he went back to him and told him, saying, The child has not awakened. Listen, Gehazi, Elijah's assistant, he didn't have the power. Listen, I don't have the power. I don't have the mojo. I don't have the funky Col Medina. Jesus has it. He moves it through my life. He allows me to operate in it in my own life, and he allows me sometimes to lay hands on the sick and they recover. He allows me to, to pray for the lost, and they come to him. He allows me to pray for the blind and their eyes are open. He, he allows me to do all this, but it's all him. It's all Jesus. And guess what? You, you, you don't need a priest. You don't need a prophet. You need Jesus. You can come to me, and I'll listen, and I'll pray, and I'll fast, and I'll weep with you, and I'll laugh with you. But what we're going to do is we're going to call on Jesus, or otherwise we're wasting both of our times. Amen? I don't got the juice card. Yeah, I do because I'm his favorite, but not like that. So let's talk about the last one, the power. I know we're out of time, but this just seems like it's hitting somebody. I just want to finish it. We're almost done, I promise. Are you willing to push? Are you willing to pray until something happens? That's what's going on in the story. Look, at. let's finish this, this story off. Verse 32. When Elijah came into the house, there was the child lying dead on the bed. And he went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands, and he stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call the Shunammite woman. So he called her and then he came into him. She came into him and said, Pick up your son. So she went in and fell at her feet, bowed to the ground. She picked up her son and went out. A couple questions as we close. 
have any dreams or promises that have died? Are there any promises or dreams that you've let go of? Listen, Jesus is ready to resurrect the dead and bring new life to any situation in your life. You need to believe that. Elijah went into the upper room and he waited on God. It was a place of prayer. It was a place set aside for the man of God. We're not waiting long enough sometimes. In verse 34, the Bible says that Elijah stretched himself out. And in verse 35, the Bible says that he stretched himself out again. Can I tell you this? A whatever-it-takes attitude is going to cause you to have to stretch yourself. You're, gonna have to, you're not going to be able to stay comfortable and say, I'll do whatever it takes. Staying comfortable is not doing whatever it takes. Staying comfortable is doing whatever you need to do for you. I'm just going to be honest. Say it like it is. But when you become willing to do whatever it takes, there's going to be a little bit of uncomfortability. There's going to be a, a whole lot of praying. That's why tonight we're going to just have a prayer meeting. It's not because I'm lazy. I really have a great sermon. I really want to preach the sermon. We started a series last week that I think is phenomenal. I, I was looking forward all weekend preaching the sermon tonight. I really was. I've been looking forward to this one all week too. And God says, no, we're going to pray tonight. I said, yeah, I guess that makes sense based on what we're talking about right here, huh? Because I'm telling you this, I don't know right now if something's stirring in your heart or not, but I'm telling you this, that if you begin to pray, if you begin to pray until something happens, push through, persevere, God's going to move on your behalf. He's going to re resurrect some things in your life. That's what he does. He is the king of resurrection. He's one for one in the resurrection department. Amen. And there's a day coming when all of you will be resurrected with him. But in the meantime, there's dreams that he wants to rebirth. There's dreams that he wants to resurrect. And I'll tell you what, they're better than the dream you ever dreamt before. Because personally, I'd rather be on the beach physically. Physically, I'd rather be on the beach. Spiritually, I am having the time of my life in the desert. I know I am where God has called me to be. That means some things had to die 20 years ago. Some ideas that I had, some, some perceptions that I have, some plans that I have that, 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 that God blessed for a while. They were even part of his plan. I just didn't know the whole picture, and I still don't know it all. But those things had to die in order to get me where I am today. And I'll tell you this. Just like everybody else in this room, it hurt. It hurt. It hurt. I got hurt. People hurt me. People, I said I'll never pastor again. That's why I went to the work for the rescue mission. I'll be happy serving God. I'll be happy loving on people. But I don't want to pastor sheep because they bite. <laughs> God had to change my heart. I still don't like getting bit, but I still love stand with me. Jesus said in, in, nine, in Mark 9, 23, if you can believe, all things are possible for those who believe. And if you can stand here today and you can believe that God wants to resurrect some things in your life, I don't know who's, who's lost some promise. I don't know who, 
who's had dreams die in their life, probably the majority of us can identify with this. But Jesus said this in, in Revelation 3, verse 20, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart, not for salvation, unless you don't know him. I'll give you an opportunity for that right now. But if you're in Christ, he's standing at the door of your heart today, and he's knocking, and he says, if you open the door to my voice, I will come in. Resurrect some miracles in your life, some promises. Amen. With every head bowed in this place. And you're here this morning, and this sermon's just been tugging on your heart, and you're not in Christ. You've never given your life to Him. I'm telling you, the promises that I've been referring to are for you. All you need to do is say yes to Jesus. And if that's you and you would give your life to Jesus, you'd say, Yes, I want to. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Just slip up your hand and show it to me real quick. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to pray this prayer together as a family. Can we say, Jesus, please forgive me. Thank you for loving me and dying for me. I accept salvation today. I accept you into my life. Lead me to the promises of eternal life in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And Lord, for everyone else today, those of us standing that have have had dreams away and promises that feel like, some of us feel like we've been lied to. I felt like that for a while. That you're not a man that you should lie. You just have better in store and we've been holding on to, to that one thing for way too long. Help us to let go and to embrace the things of God today.